It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, the first day for the NFL in pads and the first glimmers of fall hope. The Chiefs say they'll open the season with 22% fans in the stands. Please, God, let it be true. Andy Poland joins me, talks ESPN and the great institution of Monday Night Football and more. All that plus the hot place to party now, Wuhan. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. Thank you for joining me. The coronavirus in sports giveth and the coronavirus in sports taketh away. It was a mixed day of news, but uh, it was pretty good, all things considered. And when I saw the news that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to start the season, they announced this. They said, we're going to start the season on Monday Night Football as defending champs. And we are going to allow 22% capacity. Weird number, right? And they would require face coverings in the stadium. I said to myself, fucking A. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins, the great clip, 16 million views. It turns out it was a complete work and a setup, but still very funny. A bunch of nerds back in 2014 playing Wizard of Warcraft or some shit like that planning an attack outside of a castle when one of the guys on his headset just screams out Leroy Jenkins for some unknown reason and charges into the castle. And then do the same thing. Uh, we're going to need divine intervention on our mages uh, so they can uh, AE uh, so we can, of course, get them down fast because we're bringing all these guys. I mean, we'll be in trouble if we don't take them down quick. Uh, I think it's a pretty good plan. We should be able to pull it off this time. Uh, what do you think, Abdul? Can you give me a number crunch real quick? Uh, yeah, give me a sec. Yeah, 22%. 32.33, uh, repeating, of course, percentage no of lie. survival. Oh, that's a lot better than we usually do. Uh, All right, thumbs up. Ready, guys? Let's or- do this. Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> oh, my God, he just ran in. Oh, my God, the Saints are going to have fans. Stick to the plane. Oh, Jesus. Let's go, let's go. Stick to the plane. Stick to the plane. Oh, gee. Oh, fuck. Give me my intervention. And they get slaughtered within minutes. I won't play the whole thing. Now, maybe the Chiefs and other NFL teams announcing some limited fans. And I saw Kansas State 
in college is going to have 25% fans. Texas, theoretically, could have 50% according to state law, but they're going to go for 25% assuming the Big 12 goes ahead and plays. And it seems like they're committed to, despite a bit of an outbreak at Oklahoma over the weekend. Um, And other NFL teams, there's some that are announcing. The teams that aren't going to have fans right away include, we know for sure, the Woofed, as well as the New York teams, as well as New Jersey. Um, The Packers are not going to have fans for the first two games. Las Vegas won't. I doubt LA, although I don't remember seeing them officially say that. But the better the team, and in a state that is controlled by Republicans, are more likely to go with fans right away. Now, maybe it goes as bad as the Leroy Jenkins Let's fuck it. Let's just do this. And maybe it ends up like North Carolina. Now, I don't know if North Carolina has overreacted or not based on these little outbreaks that they had one week into campus. They're like, run away, run away. We're going to do, we're going to do zoom calls. We're going to do zoom classes. I, I still haven't heard enough yet. This is just, it only broke in the last couple of hours. I'm assuming, and maybe I shouldn't assume, but I would assume North Carolina is going to Zoom classes only, but keeping whatever students are on campus on campus because the notion of, okay, we're sending everybody off campus right now. They were here for a week and now they're gone. That would be madness. That would be insane. You you, you couldn't do that, could you? I mean, maybe. Who knows? The SEC put their schedule out. You know what my guy Al Swearingen says about announcing one's plans? It's a good way to hear God laugh. And the CFL has canceled their entire season, which begins right about now. They play early in the summer, and then they get done before the harsh winds and freezing temperatures of Saskatoon set in sometime after Halloween. Also, the Big Ten, the the athletic director at Penn State, a woman whose name I have since uh, forgotten, she said she didn't even know if there was an official vote by the league presidents on whether or not to have a football season. Uh-oh. Reports were it was 12-2 to 2 with Nebraska and Iowa voting to play. That's the report. Since they decided to pull the plug, the Big Ten, I don't think I've heard from a single president. And I'd be shocked if we do. But here's the thing. You look at the states right now in terms of uh, the, the, the five southern tier Sunbelt hotspots, they are all in aggressive decline. In fact, uh, let's see here. Here's some stats for you. ER visits for COVID symptoms down to 1.8% nationally. So translated, that's 98.2% of all ER visits for something other than coronavirus. How much lower do you want to get exactly? But the uh, Sunbelt states uh, are all in sharp decline in hospitalizations, cases, and they will eventually be in decline on deaths as well. They're dropping at about 10% per week. So four weeks from now, if they keep going 10%, 10%, 10% in terms of hospital admissions, and if this saliva test that's supposedly the game changer is a game changer, and if the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC hold firm 
And if there's no future incidents of North Carolina's where they go, oh, there's an outbreak, run away, let's just say that they stay steady and they press ahead. And let's say the NFL opens with some fans and stands. And people are like, hey, the world didn't come to an end. People didn't drop dead like flies. Let's, let's bump it to 50%. If the Big Ten is still sitting there, sucking their thumb with stadiums dark, refusing to admit they fucked up, it will be a financial and PR blunder and recruiting blunder of my lifetime. We shall see. As the kids like to say, wait four weeks. Or the Corona, Team Corona likes to say the team virus people, wait two weeks. We'll see in two weeks. They'll all be dead. All right, let's see what Andy Poland is up to tonight. Lots to talk about. Get his thoughts on it. Hello. Hello. New phone. Who dis? New team president. Who dis Jason Wright? (laughs) Oh, Bruce Allen, where are you? You know, that fucking coward, if I can swear on my own podcast, that fucking fraudulent, open button, Coors Light drinking coward, Bruce Allen has not spoken since he left. Right. Amazing. As Radio a fact, silence. He was uh, questioned as he was leaving the stadium for the last game of the season, and he said, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. And all we got was a release that he was gone and was never heard from again. Yeah. Do you think we'll hear from him at some point? Yeah, I think so, but I don't think he's going to tell you anything. I think uh, I think he'll, you know, there's that non-disclosure agreement that these guys signed, and I don't think he's going to attack Dan Snyder, do you? No, I don't. But I, yeah, maybe, yeah, he'll just lay low. So Jason Wright, who played in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals, and by all, by all uh, attributes looks like he's a sharp young mind, under 40, one of the youngest team presidents in the league, and maybe the first black team president, although some say that the current Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, was technically the team president in Minnesota. So I don't know how to rule it, but I like the cut of his jib from what I've seen so far, and he understands it looks quite convenient given all that's going on. Just like Julie Donaldson realized, it looks convenient with all that's going on. But let's see what these two uh, do now that they're in charge of pretty key positions, right? Well, look at what Snyder's had in the past in those jobs. A complete boob in Vinny Serrato. Right. And the evil Bruce Allen. Now he's got a guy who's on the upward swing of his career. He's 38 years old. Um, and I believe Jason Reed had some of this in his reporting today that he's been looked at by the league for a long time. That he right. would be looked at in a front office position. And this also smacks of the league saying to Snyder, uh, yeah, I think you're going to need to take a look at this guy. Because we're looking at your organization there, and I see that you've hired Terry Bateman for the 15th time. And while I'm sure he's a fine executive, he's an old white guy, and we'd like to uh, help you move things along here a little bit. Well, I just I was, I was thinking about how much of Dan's comfort foods are long gone. You know, yeah. whether it's Bruce's drinking buddy and consigliere. Cooley, the ex-player, his buddy, gone. We'll talk about that in a second. Baghdad Larry. Hey, pal, Redskins look good. I mean, he has, and and his former investor billionaire friends have all turned on him. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, they want him to sell the team. Yeah. 
So I ask you, and things move quick, and I forget how it was last Monday. I don't think this has come up since Monday, both the fact that Cooley is out and that your colleague Bram over there at 6.30 in D.C. is Mm -hmm. in as the new voice of the team. But these are two huge developments. Do you think Snyder's actually in trouble right now in terms of his grip on the franchise? Yeah, I, I do. I, I don't think he's got the, the control that he used to have. And I think he's being forced to listen to people who, and we've seen this before. Now, you know, Brian LaFamina came in for five minutes and then was fired. Uh, but I think that at this point, he's realizing, yeah, there's a lot of things sinking around me here. And I better stay on the straight and narrow here for a little while, do the things that are politically correct. Now, Again, as you say, these are not in any way bad hires whatsoever. I think Julie Donaldson is going to do a good job in her job. And I also think that uh, Wright is going to be a good hire for them in the front office. But it does not look like the usual Dan Snyder type of hires, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, Far as the broadcast booth, uh, what do you think? Well, you know, I I think that you you have to look at it in terms of what it looks like in 2020, not what it looked like in 1990. I mean, people lament, oh, no Sonny, no Sam, no Cooley, no Larry. Those days are gone. It's, it's, it's a new way of doing things. And look, how people consume the games now. You can watch it on your phone. If your kid has a soccer game during a Washington football team game, you can watch it on your phone. You don't have to listen to it. And I think that the, the medium is changing to a degree where you have got now different types of people. Bram's got a varied background in television and radio, Julie Donaldson, primarily television. D'Angelo Hall, uh, he's done some radio as a guest, but his background is now in television. He's been with the NFL Network. And I think that uh, they're going to just have to change with the times. You know, what we grew up with just really doesn't exist anymore. Andy, to channel my inner Dan Aykroyd from SNL, Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> Andy, you ignorant. I've never been as disappointed in you as I am right now with that fucking answer you want to take another swing at it or are you going to give me the same bullshit over again you know as well as i do the easy and correct play was to plug buck hans in keep cooley and doc and let julie open the broadcast halftime the broadcast post game the broadcast yeah, that's that the right play the enough of that but the plan is bullshit andy <laughs> don't say oh things are changing you can watch on your phone people still want good football fucking knowledge and cooley and doc brought that and they want a strong play-by-play voice that's got experience and buck Hans, who's a friend of ours is sitting there doing nothing well if, if, if me as a 62 year old white guy had been tasks with that i would have gone with the plan that you just suggested there why does white black have to matter how about good or not good how about experienced or not experienced you know well what what is the product that you're trying to make now you're going to hire a guy a good broadcast is what i'm trying to make you got three people who have (laughs) never done this before three people exactly and i think that that was the plan from the beginning this is this is a clean so the, sweep of the. This so is the a plan, fumigation of the organization. Well, that's what's happening. Great. I mean, the, the the plan then is to suck. No offense to Bram. No offense to Julie. No offense to D'Angelo Hall. You throw three new entities in. Two of the three guys that were in that booth were fine. Doc and Julie were fine, I, and I they agree. brought like a lot of knowledge to the table. Right. 
but I don't think that the traditional radio broadcast that they've done is something they want to do. Now, could that be a mistake? Yeah, sure, it could be. But I don't it, think I'm in a position to judge this anymore. Well, you're just biased because you work. Is Bram still going to do his afternoon show? Yeah. Good. Okay, so he's got two of his sources of income now. I, yeah. I know that feeling. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Money, money, money. <laughs> I, genuinely, I texted Bram. I congratulated him, and I mean yeah. that. And yeah. uh, I talked to Grant Paulson, who was runner-up for the gig. And was I, he? Yeah. And I mean, I, he, he how told, do we know that? Well, I mean, he told. I mean, there was no official rankings, but he said that he was in the running. Oh, well, he was he talked about. Was he definitely in, in the, the runner-up? And, and I don't how, know. I don't know. I don't know. He told me that he that you know he would have wanted it, but you know, of course he, he did. He hey, anybody in this business would want that job. That's a prime job. Okay. Well, at, but, okay. So here's the thing. So I said to Grant, I go, I, I said, you're you know you're taking it really well for not getting it. Uh, I said, but realize these are not gold watch jobs anymore. Right. Exactly. So that, in other words, that, don't don't just think you're going to be the next Ernie fucking Harwell and you're set until you're 75. Exactly. And and, and look, I agree with you 100% on Cooley. I don't understand what happened there. I, I guess there's a backstory we'll all, find out about. Oh, I understand. I don't have this on, on record, but I know exactly the dynamic. Okay. And the I dynamic, like well, the dynamic is... You know, Larry Michael was the lead creepazoid on that crew. And so, therefore, anyone associated with Larry had the potential of being brought up in a future complaint by somebody going, yeah, well, there was that time Cooley or there was that time Doc. And it could be the most baseless, unfounded allegations. But you know today in the media environment we live in, it would be run with and elevated and pushed out. Oh, another allegation. So they had to fumigate. They had yeah. to clear the decks. Right, right. So, so, and then you task which kind of, Julie Donaldson. Which kind of negates my previous rant. I should have thought right. that out for a second. <laughs> right. Well, and, 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 maybe and, you and stand behind, why... maybe stand behind your people and say, this didn't happen. Sorry, not sorry. We're keeping but, these but... guys. They're good. And they're, you know, Doc is a bit much for some people. Tarantula, bulldozer, you know, his nicknames. I like that, along with Cooley. And D'Angelo Hall was here. He was a redskin, but he was not associated with any particular glory years. Right. I would also say this about analysts. Those guys who played offense are usually better. There's a lot more to talk about. They understand more than yeah. dynamics, and that's why Sonny was so good. He was good with Sam, but Sonny was the main analyst there. And Cooley was great at you know telling you what was going to yeah. happen and why it happened. Because he watched yes. a ton of film. He yeah, had and- access to the team's iPad with practice footage on it. Practice right. footage. Right. So yeah. he knew what was going on. All right, let me uh, move on to other stuff because I'm sure my listeners don't give two shits about the Washington <laughs> football team and their internal machinations. How about the fact that today was like the first official day of practice in the NFL and the annual August tradition of reporters over-covering little things began mm-hmm. in earnest. Like the New York writers were, were absolutely swooning over Joe Judge saying he's running practice with military precision. They said that he has the coaches running laps with the players when the units they coach make a mistake. I'm yeah. like, well, wow. Let me, uh, let me drop a name on some younger listeners who will have no idea what I'm talking about. His name was Les Steckel. (laughs) He was every much a joy as a coach as his name sounds. A total hardo with the Vikings, right? Exactly. And he replaced the legendary Bud Grant, 
who is not exactly a softie himself, no. who, who would stand on the sidelines when it's 20 below in just a sweatshirt and say, yeah. <laughs> we're not cold. Go out there and play. And so he retired and they brought in Les Steckel, who was like this drill sergeant Marine hard ass. And the players couldn't stand him. And Grant had to come back for a year or so to rescue the franchise. Yeah. So uh, I just la- know, I just laugh like I'm like, yeah, none of this shit translates into a single additional win. It right, just right. fucking doesn't. But the media can't help but report on it. And uh, Anthony Galizia, who was here in D.C., is now at ESPN, tweeted, a pandemic could wipe out sports for 100 years, and I still wouldn't miss training camp tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. totally get his feeling. But I was just glad to see guys out in uniforms running around again. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's and and the whole tweeting thing has changed the way everything is covered now. Right. I mean, w- w- when I was covering the Giants back in the eighties, uh, news that kind of news would get in next day's paper. I was one of the early guys to be out there watching training camp as a beat reporter for WFAN, and some of the newspaper guys weren't happy with me for sending out those nuggets to the radio station during the day <laughs> when they couldn't. They couldn't put them in the paper the next day. Yeah, yeah, things have definitely changed. Uh, all right, uh, Monday Night Football crew officially announced. What do you make of Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy? Amen. Three solid football guys. You know, uh, enough chazarai, enough booger in a cart. So you don't mind guys. that this has the smallest feel to it? This is the biggest, this is the most small ball Monday night lineup. Howard Cosell has got to be spinning in his grave like a right. dreidel right now. But but what they've tried, and a nice reference to Hanukkah, by the way, uh, but <laughs> this, this is, this is we've, we've been trying to recreate Howard Cosell since he last did his last season, 1983. So we're going back 37 years since Cosell left the booth and they've tried all kinds of things. And I think the reality is if you do a good football broadcast with solid football people, I really like the addition of Lewis Riddick too. That's a different dynamic. Greasy is fine. And Steve Levy is a solid nuts and bolts play by play guy. I mean, what's, what's the problem with it? I don't know. I guess it's okay. Like we'll see about Riddick. I think Riddick is good, but I don't know how he is calling games. Well, but because he's more of like a big picture organization. What are they doing? Coaches, personnel kind of guy. Is he going to be good saying that screen was open? They should have thrown it to the flat kind of thing. No, but but he did play in the league. You know, he was a cornerback for several years, I think, with the Raiders and the Browns. So he's he's got some experience playing. And the fact of the matter is, and that's why you wonder about a three man booth, is that in the days of Dandy Don and Howard and Frank Gifford, there was a lot more time between plays. They didn't have sideline reporters. They didn't have as many replays, as many reverse angles. So there was more time to talk. So the fact that they have three, that's going to be interesting to see how that all melts. But I do think that Riddick is very smart and he'll find his ways to make his points. Howard Cosell, Andy. I could take the whole of my background in academia at law and the whole of my interview capacities, <laughs> and uh, at the same time relate that to the greater common denominator for the American people, which is sport, and use it irreverentially, <laughs> satirically, <laughs> and uh, 
draw a great deal, many more viewers. He was talking about uh, aspiring to be a political reporter. Right. Oh, no. Once once he felt he had mastered this booth thing, <laughs> he, he, he decided he could. You know, one time he hosted a variety show uh, prior to Saturday. I think it was called Saturday Night Live. Um, and he is a, was a lawyer. I mean, he was a, a brilliant guy, but he was also very insecure and and very you know self centered and and you know paranoid and all the things that went along with it. But he was a hire by I think the greatest genius in the history of television. That's Rune Arledge. Rune Arledge saw that this needed to be more than just a football game. It needed to be entertainment. And pairing Cosell and Dandy Don Meredith was absolute brilliance. Yeah, it really was. By the way, I'm looking at an article here just on the fly, and they had the uh, video of Monday Night Football where he called Alvin Garrett a little monkey, mm-hmm. and it's been blocked by the NFL. Really? On copyright grounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't think it was racist. I don't I either. Was, it was yeah. it was an unfortunate twist of uh, it was an unfortunate choice of words right. that did not play very well. But he tried to deny it at first. I never right. called him that. It's like Howard. Right. It's on tape. You can't say that. Right. Len Shapiro was tasked with uh, mm. doing that when he was with the Washington Post. He was to knock on the door of the booth. They wanted him to do it at halftime, and I guess nobody answered the door. All right. And uh, eventually, he got to him. All right. Since you're you've been a yes man now on two different new radio <laughs> ventures, let's go. Third one's a charm. Can you please kill the new ESPN radio lineup, please? I know you work for ESPN DC. What do you yeah. think of Zubin Mahenti along with Keyshawn Johnson? In the morning, with who is their third guy now? It's Jay, Jason, Jason Williams. Williams. Jay Williams. Jay Williams. Jay Williams. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Uh, you know, they've done one show. Um, you, I, I don't know how it's it's going to be in three months from now. Come on, we've we've done radio shows for a long time with different partners. It takes time. I don't know. Was anybody uh, clamoring for Zubin Mahenti? No, no, no. Okay. Zubin Mahenti is a typical ESPN hire. He is he is Greenbergian in that <laughs> in that if a, an executive asks him to jump, he says how high. Who and who he, threw Adnan Verk under the bus and got him fired? Was that Zubin uh, Mahenti? I don't know if it was Zubin Mahenti, but Adnan Verk apparently he was, was leaking stuff to the right. big lead, and they sniffed it out and they fired his ass. Right, but he was he had also been doing that for some time. I was told. Uh, at ESPN, he liked to go to to the media and, and to, he liked to raise his profile that way. Right. Very, very, very ambitious. And I, you know, now I guess he's with what that uh, that new boxing outfit or something. I don't, I don't know. know where anyone is these days. I don't know where I am these days. But anyhow, well, they're not hiring radio guys to do radio for ESPN. Oh, is well, that, that fair that, to say? That's that has that ship sailed a long time ago. That you have to do television to get on ESPN radio. That's, that's not, that's not a choice anymore. And they, they televise most of the radio shows anyway. Yeah. So, so the days of, uh, Nancy Donellan, AKA the fabulous sports babe. (laughs) Well, they had on on ESPN radio. I know, but they, but she was a radio radio person and they put her on TV. Right. And, And again, that's a hire that was made by television people that they looked at radio and said, Hmm, we can't just hire really smart and good radio hosts. Yeah. So let's get a gimmick. We'll get a, a woman who's uh, very much overweight and calls herself a babe 
and uh, and does a show in Seattle. You know, now, here's yeah. an idea. ESPN Radio could branch off and create a second product called ESPN Radio Classic, where mm-hmm. they hire the best in sports radio from around the country and let them do their thing. Right. But they, if don't, they, they don't step, like that. If, if they step into it with a take that's a bit too spicy, they can just say, well, it's his take. Bring it up with yeah. him. It's his opinion. We're not we're not going to police every little thing that they go on, every little angle. Let's let them be a little bit wild. Troublemaking. You'd have this safe Disney radio product with Zubin Mahenti and then Disney or the ESPN radio classic radio. Sports yeah, well, radio. They had it. The first morning show that they trotted out there would have worked had they had proper management to handle. Now, he is a difficult personality, but he is a very talented personality. And they had the makings of a really good morning show with Tony Bruno and Mike Golick. And they didn't manage Bruno well, and he left. And then they went for somebody who they were sure they could manage. Well, one would uh, say that they had a very successful run. Uh, Greeny and Golick. How about Greeny now with his own solo show, Midday? Yeah, l- I listened to that a little bit today, and uh, it, it does seem that he's a bit stiff. He needs somebody to work with, I think. Well, it's uh, just Greeny. I mean, he's already on for three hours a day in the morning. Two, I think. The show okay. is two, two hours now. Oh. But yeah. yeah. I'm, the last guy to, I'm the last guy to be complaining about, who wants more of this asshole? He's already on for two hours a day. This is my, <laughs> seventh, like- this is my seventh fucking hour today. <laughs> it's he's ridiculous. Got, he's, got, he's got, you know, 12 people on the set with him, too, on that Get Up show. Oh, so, right. He's more of a traffic cop on that show. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Hey, hey. All right. Alex Smith's comeback. Are wow. you shocked they're letting him on the field tomorrow? No, I'm not. I mean, obviously, they had doctors look at him. What do you mean they're not? Did you see how he fucking lifts that leg like a Clydesdale and how crooked that thing is and uh, how mangled it is when you peel off that outer covering? Okay. L- let me ask you this. If, if he's not ready to play, what's the advantage of the team putting him out there on the field? Well, I'm not saying the team maneuvered to get an advantage. I'm saying, what does it take to be a doctor to go, yeah, sure, that's fine, play with that. His, his, his gate walking down two steps onto his driveway? Yeah. Looked I like, saw it. It looked like... Foot. Yes! Yes, that's they, they. In fact, the, the team doctor said that he's got he's got drop foot. They How do you clear that to play football in the NFL? How? Okay, there, Dan Marino tore his Achilles uh, somewhat late in his career. I think he played another five or six years after that. He limped, uh, you know. Now his release was really quick, and he he didn't run, ever run. I don't remember but, seeing Dan Marino clomp his foot up and down like a Clydesdale. Well, no, but but you all you also did see him basically be immobile and still set all kinds of passing records. Okay, uh, is this the greatest sports comeback since Ben Hogan? If he plays in an NFL game, is it if the he... greatest comeback since Joe Montana, who missed a couple of years with a severe back injury? Yeah, uh, Montana actually had played a game with San Francisco before he was traded to Kansas City, so he was able to prove that he could play, and, and he did well in Kansas City. He had a couple of good Oh, years. I know. He was quite yeah. serviceable, made a, b- a bunch of comebacks because that's what he does. Is it the greatest NFL comeback since Frank Gifford, who got laid out by Chuck Bednarik and nearly killed, missed a whole season and a half? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, maybe I, I I don't know exactly what the what the protocol was in those days. He did have <laughs> dementia at the end of his life, you know, yeah. so maybe it was related to that. I don't know, but no, that look. If you watch that E60 that Stefania Bell did, I mean, it's amazing that he has a leg. That's 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 the most amazing thing to me. That somewhere along the line they didn't cut it off. But she was on the air with us, and she said, "I asked her, could he play again?" He, she said, "With the rod in his leg, the bone is actually stronger than it was before he broke it." Yeah, I see Dave Dravecki all over again. Yeah, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? That would be bad. Imagine seeing him lying in pain with a metal rod sticking out of his leg. Yeah. Then how are you going to feel about that? Dave Dravecki had cancer. Yeah. And, and well, his arm led... snapped in two while throwing a pitch. Right, because the bone had been eaten away by the cancer. Uh, I understand as far that. As we know we don't have anything like that without Smith. <laughs> well, his leg looked like it looked worse than a bear attack. No, no question. And he and he went to uh, to one of those military rehab hospitals in San Antonio where people had had limbs that looked like that, and uh, and they were lucky to walk on them. And then look. If he never takes a snap, it's still a miraculous comeback. To get back on the field and practice is is just incredible. And everybody, you interviewed him. I've never met him, but but it, everybody who knows him says he's just the salt of the earth guy. Oh no, he's a great guy, and he's cut from a different cloth, and he's able to make comebacks like this. But I mean, I don't want to see him snap it again. I don't want to see either. him get crushed back there. There's no way a drop-footed Clydesdale can evade. <laughs> the pressure of the NFL rush. He couldn't evade the rush that took his leg out in the first place. It's insane. Well, yeah, that's uh, and and there's maybe a backstory about that about a running back who is uh, trying to sleep with the same girl as the coach and you know. Oh, you don't believe that shit, do you? <laughs> who knows? You buy that stuff? <laughs> I don't I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it, it's anything's possible. Oh god. Well, I wish him the best, but I I'm I'm really not wanting to see him out there. Here's here's your hot take. Uh, du jour on this skins start skins the the woofed starts zero and five haskins struggles out of desperation they throw alex in who looks decent for one game and they win to go one and five new quarterback controversy callers light up our airwaves saying it's racism Ba-dum-bum-ba-dum-bum. you ready for that no, I don't. I don't. Well, you didn't we give also... you didn't give Haskins a chance. They blocked differently for him. You remember the Kirk Rob thing, Rob? Oh, yeah. The Robert Griffin the yeah. third thing. There was a racial angle to that. People would call our shows and insist they right. blocked better for Kirk. Well, also drafting him was considered racist. That that uh, Mike Shanahan, I don't think it ever had a black quarterback in Denver. Yeah, and and then you know the whole thing with Griffin and his father that they were trying to sabotage his career so that Cousins could play. I mean, there was so much chazarai with that that was ridiculous. All right, let's so, uh, let's end on a little bit. I got two things for you here. Uh, actually, three things, but two are bundled into one. Uh, Dateline marital affairs. Mark Grace called his ex-wife a dingbat and had to apologize for it because he said it during a baseball broadcast. Yeah. Is that out of bounds? I mean, it is his ex-wife. It wasn't anything too bad. It's just she was parking in Bud Selig's parking spot, and he'd have to run out and, like, you know, uh, say, you can't park there, honey. He called her a dingbat. He said, I'm going to go a little bit Archie Bunker here because Archie Bunker would call Edith a dingbat. Hey, Edith. Well, yeah, dingbat. No, no. No, no kidding. But but to, to me, that seems like an awfully old reference. It is, uh, and for for somebody like Mark Grace, who's well, maybe he's what is he? Maybe he's late forties now. No, so, he's fifties. Okay. 
Fifties. Okay. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I, I understand that. I, you know, in this day and age, no, it's, it, you can't do it. Okay. Do it how come years ago? Yes. How come it's a one way street? Because I saw a video on Twitter from one, uh, L Leonard, the wife of Myers Leonard of the Miami heat. Mm-hmm. And it was this video where she's got this sourpuss look and she's mimicking all the things her husband does. Like, does makes a big smoothie in a uh you know in a in a smoothie jug whatever you call mm-hmm. it a blender and mm-hmm. is about to pour it into a glass and then decides no nope, I'm going to drink it right from the smoothie blender then goes to drop something in the hamper dirty sock and then she moves it and then drops it outside the hamper and then you know he splashes water on the mirror in the bathroom then there's a big pile of stuff that has to be taken up the stairs it says Myers take up and it's this haha video, like my my husband's a shithead who does all this stuff at home. And I just wanted to reply on Twitter, how's it spending, honey? <laughs> Why is it that wives get to air this shit on Twitter about their husbands who make all the money? But a guy like Mark Grace says one word dingbat, he's forced to apologize. That's bullshit, you know? Do you know how many husbands could put out videos making fun of or bitching about things their wife does that they can't stand? Okay, but but also he said it on a broadcast and she put it on Twitter. So is same that a deal? Mm, I don't know. I you don't know, know she that. lives in this beautiful fucking mansion because mm-hmm. of him. Now she has some like organic food thing, and on her Twitter bio it said, uh, "You know, founder of so and so organic foods." And I was like, "Oh, did you raise that venture capital yourself? Did he marry <laughs> into that, or is that his NBA money?" It's just mm-hmm. you got a problem with him splashing water on the mirror. Bring it up with him or fucking let it go. You won the lottery. Boy, oh, you it's, know. it's all in good fun, Zabe. Yeah, but it's not in good fun. It's a one-way street, Andy. It, it is a one-way street. Yes, it is. Because it, for, for too long, it was, in fact, a one-way street. <laughs> that, that the man would come home, take I, his dirty boots <laughs> off, throw them in the corner and say, feed me, woman. <laughs> right. And ignore the fact I banged my secretary. I get it. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah. the street, the speed limit on the street now is 25 miles an hour. It should at least be a two-way street. If guys <laughs> want to put out cheeky videos bitching about their wife ordering too much stuff on Amazon, that should be allowable. You shouldn't have mm-hmm. to apologize for it. Last ad. Did you see who won a U.S. Kids nine-hole event in Florida this weekend? Tigers kid? Charlie Woods. A, oh, yeah. a sharp 33, three under par, three under par. And guess who was on the bag? The big Dad. cat himself. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if there's a next generation of Tiger coming along? Wouldn't it be great? Andy, I am marking it on my calendar. Give me 12 years. And we'll see a salt and pepper goateed Tiger Woods carrying the bag up 18 at Augusta as young Charlie is about to claim his first green jacket. And there's going to be tears all the way up and down the fairway from Magnolia Lane down to Ray's Creek, Andy. (laughs) Don't you think so? Well, I I would love that. but, But the problem is, I don't know if he's got Tiger's drive. That's the big thing. He may have some talent that he inherited, I think. There's certainty of that, but the drive to get that great has to be inside you. Are you saying it's hard to wake up and jog at 4 a.m. when you're sleeping in silk sheets that or is silk pajamas? The, uh, Riddick Bow line, yeah, it's hard to wake up in the morning and run when you wake up in silk pajamas. Yeah, uh, Affluence does that for you. Yeah. All right, Andy, as always, a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk next week. All right, Zabe, take care.
All right. What's the hot place to party without getting mask shamed? Would you believe Wuhan, China? That's right. Videos went viral about a giant pool rave party that was nuts to butts in, you guessed it, as the kids say, checks notes, Wuhan, China. For fuck's sake. We are shutting things down on a knee-jerk basis. Over 10, 15 positive tests. Not even cases per se. Nobody in the hospital. Nobody really even sick. Just, oh, positive tests. In Wuhan, they're nuts to butts at an uh, inflatable raft pool party with DJs and everything else. Fuck it, man. I'm going to Wuhan. Give me that flight. I bet flights are cheap. I remember at the start of the pandemic, some reporter for Business Week found a flight to, to China. Or no, a flight to like Australia. <laughs> Round trip for like $400. But the key was you had to stay in a layover in Wuhan for four and a half hours. But hey, you could get across the globe for an insanely cheap price. Somebody needs to go to Wuhan, find the next inflatable raft rave, have a great time, and say, you know what? That's where the pandemic is finally over. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, tell a couple friends. Keep the family growing. I appreciate all the good word of mouth you can provide. Subscribe to Fridays. That way you don't miss a single day of me Monday through Friday, and it helps support what I'm doing. And uh, I got some exciting stuff coming. I'm telling you, I got some exciting stuff coming. So thank you again for your support of this podcast. Have yourself a great Tuesday or any fucking Tuesday you want to have. I'm not here to run your life. And we will see you next time. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool.